kickoff 2022 is a go. Coverage presented by 72 Souls and Kona Brewing. The home of Arizona Cardinals football. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Camp kickoff 2022 with Wolf and Luke. It is week two of the preseason. It's hour number four of the show, live from the Octin Community Studios. Well, we're trying to go back to the last time the Ravens lost a preseason game. And it would appear to be Thursday, September 3rd, 2015. 2015. They lost by one to the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, The quarterbacks in that game... Sean Renfrey for Atlanta and Bryn Renner for Baltimore. Oh, and the backups, Rex Grossman and Matt Schaub, so you know it was recent. So what is that now? 23, 24 games or something? 21. 21, 21 games. 21 preseason wins in a row for okay, Baltimore. 21 preseason wins in a row. That is no accident, is it? You're, you're trying to win those games. Apparently. Yeah, I'm looking at some of these players in this game. I mean, it was obviously a late game in the preseason, too. But the point is, that's who the Cardinals play. This is not, hey, Baltimore Ravens happy hour. The Cardinals play Baltimore on Sunday. So you're going to be getting a team that takes their preseason games seriously. Cliff Kingsbury was asked yesterday if he is paying attention to Baltimore's run. Definitely. I mean, that's part of their culture. That You know, they, they say we're going to win these games and help it build into the regular season. And I respect that and that approach. Um, the, the, obviously, their team believes that they've had one of the most successful franchises in the league. And so we'll definitely get their best shot. Uh, we know it'll be a real challenge and uh, excited to watch Trace. You know, obviously, being his former team, he'll be he'll be keyed up for that one and it should be a fun evening man that is that is no accident right there when you've won that many preseason games in a row you're trying to win those games and uh, you know honestly it's not like i have a bunch of tape uh, from preseason games that the baltimore ravens have played Two years ago. <laughs> Three years no, I don't ago. know why you would. But, I mean, just honestly, think about it. Um, what are you doing? Are you playing your players <laughs> what longer? What is wrong with you? Do you play John Harbaugh? Do you play your guys longer for the most part than a lot of other guys that are out there? Um, do you get in the face of every guy on the team before the preseason game and let them know that, you know what, you may not be on this roster <laughs> if you go out and play. I, seriously. Something's up. Something is going on right there. Because you're trying to win those games. And to me, that means you have to be playing good guys longer. Well, and the personnel has changed. I mean, you're talking about preseason, first of all. So the personnel's already changing a lot from game to game. But we're talking about their last loss being all the way back in 2015. Think about what you were doing in your life in 2015. Come on. I'm trying to. So 4-0 in 2016. 4-0 in 2017. 5-0 in 2018, 4 0 in 2019. There were no preseason games in 2020. And then last year they went 3 0 in a lot of these games, like 37 3 over Washington, 20 3 over Carolina, yeah. which aren't even really that close of games. Man, that's truly amazing. You have to wonder what is going on right there with the Baltimore Ravens. What happened in that, that loss in 2015 where they lost to the Falcons by one? Did they like huddle up on the sidelines and they're like, never again? You know what? I, Max was there. We Max talked to Max there. Williams, right? And he was there for the 2015 season. That was his rookie year. Uh-huh. 
Trace McSorley, who we talked to yesterday, obviously is part of that streak as well. We asked him, what's the deal with Baltimore in the preseason? You know, I think it's just how they approach preseason games. A lot of teams will tend to approach preseason just as, you know, hey, let's get some reps for some guys, you know, get some of the starters some rest time. And you know, if guys need to get ready for the season, you know, that's kind of how they a lot of teams will approach it. And, you know, I know just from my time in Baltimore, they approach like this is a game, you know, we're going to we play the game to win um, so it doesn't matter who's in they're trying to win the game and you know the, the coaches call it like that players they expect everyone to be playing with a high effort and all out from the start of the game to the end uh, and I think that's just kind of the culture they developed is you get into preseason games especially now they they know they understand the streak that they got and they understand that everyone's going to give them their best shot everyone wants to end it at this point so uh, they know what they're going up against so they they prepare that way and you know that's kind of how they approach it. Does everybody want to try to end their preseason? I mean, really? Are you are you going to this game going, man, we got to beat the Baltimore Ravens in preseason? I don't think I, they are, I, but, but I will say this, Wolf. Really? If the Cardinals, no, I don't, I don't think they're like, hey, we got to end this streak. But if the Cardinals win on Sunday, we're... I'm at least going to remember that preseason win <laughs> as opposed to all the other ones. I couldn't even tell you what the Cardinals record was in the preseason three years I, ago. I can't go there, man. But if I they can't. end the 21 <laughs> Really? Win, You're going to be like, wow, no, give me no, the baton. No. I just said I would I'll remember it. I just said I would remember it. I didn't say I'd be leading a parade down, I, I don't I, even know where, Central. I, I'm sorry. I can't get passionate about that. I realize that's their culture, and I think that's kind of cool. I think that's really, really cool. Like, if Harbaugh's got his guys whipped into a frenzy to go out and play this preseason game. Now, listen, I know what it's like to go out and play a preseason game whipped into a frenzy because I had to go out and play a preseason game that way. But that was, Or they'd be saying bye-bye Yeah, to me. that wasn't like, hey, we got to win this game for our win-loss <laughs> right, record. I know. Yeah. We got to hit them high, hit them high, hit them low, fight, 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 fight. No, no, there's no way that is actually happening right now. I'm not going to – I don't know. If I'm Cliff Kingsbury, I'm just going to say, listen, these guys are going to play hard. What are you going to do about it? Now I kind of want to see hard knocks of the Baltimore Ravens in the preseason to see like what they're doing. <laughs> like, all right, guys, this is what our Super Bowl. Them? I know. What is Harbaugh? You could just see Harbaugh with all of his intensity. You could just totally see him whipping these young guys into a frenzy. But they've got to be playing too. It's it just can't be that. Oh man, uh, your your back end of your roster is that much better than the rest of the NFL. No, it's, it, it can't it, be. I, I, that. I don't think they're game planning. Heard that by They've got to be playing guys that are going to be helping them win games in the regular season. They got to be playing guys. It, it is very strange. Quick update for the Cardinals, too. This is Cliff Kingsbury from today on Trey McBride. That's what we're hoping. Yeah, he's he's um, progressed and practiced well this week, so I'm hoping he'll get get out there and get some reps. Well, if I will say this, we rattle off some of the players we'll be watching on Sunday. If Trey McBride plays on Sunday, I think he moves right to the top of the list for me. R- probably right below Zayvon Collins, yeah. honestly. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm still, I'm still, my antenna's up on Zayvon Collins. Want to see him continue uh, to improve, continue to get better, uh, be more active, especially with his hands striking, getting off blocks and making plays. But you're right, Trey McBride after that. Zayvon Collins first for me, and then Trey McBride. And then if Will Hernandez is going to play, it's going to be interesting to see if Will Hernandez plays because I thought he played really, really well. And um, I know that, yes, I'd, I'd want to take him for a test spin as well and a test drive. And yet at the same time, um, you're going to protect your starters, right, Cliff? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, you, would, you, you are. would think so. All right, we come back over to basketball. Kevin Durant has put those retirement rumors to bed. That's a good thing for the Suns, right? And uh, another big name that one publication linked to the Suns. We'll explain that next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, well, before we get into basketball, Robert Kemdichi, not a member of the 49ers anymore. Wow. That is so mind-numbing. Never forget this, audience. Never forget this. The threefold nature of man in a game of football. You need all three. You need body, you need soul, and you need spirit. The spirit is your intellect, the soul your guts, and your body is your body, of course. There has never been a human being that was physically more capable of playing the game of football than Robert Kimdichi. It's stunning. He's a bright guy as well. His intellect is there. His spirit is there. It's can't tap into the rage tree. Robert Gimdichi, defensive tackle, Ole Miss. At 6'3", 295 pounds, Gimdichi can hold up at the point of attack and use his speed to make plays from the backside. He's a disruptor of the highest order. And when motivated, hunts his prey with such myopic focus, hardened NFL scouts cannot believe what they're seeing. But Robert Gimdichi is not without blemish or stink. Scouts say he takes plays off, doesn't play up to his skill set, gets blocked by Barney the Dinosaur, and lacks a motor. Still, Kandichi's talent is beyond reproach. NFL comparison, Darnell Dockett physically and Aaron Donald athletically. Oh. <laughs> wow. Boy, that's really funny, Mel. <laughs> that's funny, Maloney. What's better, Kim Dietschy's comp being Aaron Donald and Darnell Dockett or Patrick Mahomes being Jay Cutler? You know, it was so funny, too. I'll never forget that, man, at the time when I said that year, I said, I'm not drafting Robert Kim Dietschy in the first 20 picks. I'm not doing it. There's no way because of that very thing, because he t- had a tendency even then to take plays off. I said, I'm not doing it. I'm not taking Robert Kandichi. By the time the Arizona Cardinals came around, I think it was number 29. Pick 29. Pick number 29. Right before the pick, I did say, if I'm Steve Kahn, (laughs) you've already already done this. You've already said, we're taking him off the board. We're not going to draft. We're not going to draft Robert Kandichi. We're not going to do it. If I'm Steve Kahn and... 
Robert Candici is on the book. I'm getting up and walking around that table. I'm walking and I'm walking and I'm going to take them. Well, I remember, I remember where I was. I remember I was eating wings when they made the pick. Well, very good wings too, I got to say. And I remember the conversation we had around the table was like, look, you're picking 29th. You were just in the NFC championship the year before. Yeah. You can afford to kind of take that risk because it's almost a second round pick. Now to his career right now, he has four and a half total sacks. Would you ever have thought oh my that goodness. they all came in one season, 2018 for the Cardinals. And you know what else? Unbelievable. The, the 2016 season was his first. You mentioned the draft. He was drafted in 2016. That was uh, the Baltimore Ravens hadn't lost since before then. That's how long it's been since they've lost a preseason game. Wow. All right. Just never forget it, man. Body, soul, and spirit, my young crunk brothers. You need all three if you want to stick. Uh, one, it gets to the Kevin Durant stuff. This is Jay Williams, who is frequently uh, a guest on this show. He said, yeah, Kevin Durant's not retiring. Kevin Durant loves a game of basketball. He's not going to retire. Now, will he sit out of training camp? Potentially. He didn't deny that rumor or that report. And Key, that would probably be one of the harsher stances that KD could probably take in order to try to force his way out if it's not at an amicable state by the time he gets to training camp on September 26th. Kevin Durant tweeted out yesterday in response to that Mark Stein story that said that he, Stein, I'm I'm paraphrasing Stein's story, but he basically said he had a source that he talked to around Summer League, and they were like, Kevin Durant's more likely to retire than play for Brooklyn again. Okay, and to which we replied, there's no way that's going to happen. That's not going to happen. Very funny. Um, Kevin Durant replied, I know most people will believe unnamed sources over me, but if it's anyone out there that'll listen, I don't plan on retiring anytime soon. Blank is comical at this point. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, right. Stuff is comical. Just the ir- irony of, yeah. And, you know, in a weird way, he's kind of right. Like, there will be plenty of people that are like, no, I believe I, whoever's unnamed sources over the actual guy who would have to retire telling you, I'm not retiring. There's, yeah, there was no way that Kevin Durant was going to retire. We said it as soon as that story came out, even though it was Mark Stein, very reputable. I almost felt like that was in there for effect of how much he didn't want to play for Brooklyn. I didn't get the sense reading that yesterday that was like, hey, Kevin Durant might retire. You know what I mean? But obviously well, enough obviously, people thought that way. For him to reply, yeah. he actually and go in front of his 20.3 million followers. <laughs> 20.3 million. Have you ever wanted 20.3 million? Not, I mean, if, it, it, not if that's it looks like what KD's looks like where he's just arguing Look, with people. Um, there was no way he was going to retire. Can you imagine how much money he'd leave on the table? <laughs> uh, yeah, about 150 <laughs> million, I think it is. Uh, it might even be more than that. It, it's more than that, I think, Luke. Um, that's just a guess. Um, listen, there's an old saying we of the Wu Fang Clan have, and it's productivity plus payment equals not retiring. <laughs> okay. <laughs> productivity million. is it right? <laughs> 198 million, yeah. Okay. Productivity plus payment equals not retiring. $198 million? Wow. That is that's and some cold, hard cash right there, homie. That's the stuff that's already like he's already signed for. It's not inconceivable that he could play and get another deal after that, too, right? Yes. He could absolutely maybe do like a one-year <laughs> oh or whatever. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine that? Uh, here's the part, though, where it becomes you know, at least relevant to Suns fans, okay? This is Brian Windhorst uh, from yesterday as well. I don't think that the Nets right now are interested in, in really trading him. 
And that's not to say that there isn't a deal to be made at some point. But as of right now, with what they've been offered, they're not interested in any of those deals from what I can can, uh, gather. And so I think the Nets believe that they have a really good team. They think that their team will be deeper, that they'll be better on defense, uh, that they'll be healthier. Um, There's actually some pretty interesting situations you could put out there if you think about playing Ben Simmons as a center, which is a concept that has been floated for years but has never really been employed. They don't want to make a trade that is going to make their team not, you know, lesser of a contender this year. And so they just believe in that. And so if they're sticking to that, if that's their number one premise, it's going to be hard to trade Kevin Durant. Okay, hold on. Playing Ben Simmons as a center. Yeah. How about just playing Ben Simmons period as a basketball player? <laughs> Let's start there right. before we start moving him around. Yeah, as a center right now, we all know the NBA has gone positionless for the most part. The problem is Ben Simmons can't hit a perimeter jumper. <laughs> well, not when he don't suit up. No, it's tough. Uh, yeah, it's going to be very, very difficult for him to do that. Um, let me just say this right here. I, I don't believe any of this stuff, as we've already said. Uh, there's no way in the world that this is going to happen. I think this is an impasse. Yes, I do believe Kevin Durant is saying, "I, you know, honestly, I'm not going to play for you. I'm just not going to play. And that's why he said, I, I, I'll play if you fire Steve Nash and you fire Sean Marks. Then I will play. That right there, I think you said this best earlier, I think he was firing for effect, just letting the owner know just how resolute he was that yeah. he wasn't going to play. At the same time, I can see Brooklyn saying, we're, we're not going to trade him. We're not going to do it. We're not going to trade him unless we get equal value. So then what are you going to do? Are you going to sit him for I the first part of the season? I they call that an impasse, my brothers. Well, I mean, the season will eventually start. In fact, it starts in two months and three days, because I know this, because the Suns host the Dallas Mavericks on October 19th. At some point, if you're Brooklyn or Kevin Durant, somebody's calling somebody's bluff, right? Or else you're trading him. Because it's not even a matter of, well, this team's not willing to give us what we want. Most teams that Kevin Durant's willing to go to can't give you what you want. It's not like that trade's out there. What, are you expecting Boston to give you Tatum and Jalen Brown? Like That's not going to happen. The Suns can't give you Devin Booker, and they wouldn't anyway. So how long is this impasse going to go? At a certain point, there's going to be pressure points that force them to do something. Yes. The other name that I mentioned, just because it's pay off the tease, um, they, the Ringer did a story on LeBron James, and they were talking about, first, for the record, I don't think LeBron James is leaving L.A., but they said if he, if, if he can't get Kyrie there, because basically if Kevin Durant doesn't get moved, Brooklyn's not really keen on moving Kyrie, so it's still LeBron and Russell Westbrook. We saw how well that worked out. They said if LeBron were going to go somewhere, which, which team would make the most sense for him? And they said Phoenix, pretty oh, definitively. Oh, I just, I, I never we've, see that happen. No, I don't either. And we've heard this, right? We've heard little bits yes. and pieces. I don't see it happening either. First LeBron tweets about his kid who's playing basketball, high school basketball in L.A. all the time. He's not leaving L.A. There's a reason he went there. Uh, all right. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back. Kids can't wait. You can make a difference. Our Giveathon week for Phoenix Children's continues next with Gia's story. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The Giveathon for Phoenix Children's is presented by your Valley Hyundai dealers and the Auction Indian community. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station, and the Arizona Sports App. Give a thon on the Wolf and Luke Show.
Giveathon for Phoenix Children's, presented by your Valley Hyundai dealers and Akchin Indian community, continues on day two of the Giveathon. A lot of generous contributions already just on our show, uh, just today, but uh, certainly on Bickley Murata this morning and yesterday, our show yesterday, and Burns and Gambo yesterday afternoon. It'll keep going throughout the week. The Desert Financial Phone Bank is active. The number is 602-933-4567. You can become a champion of hope, Wolf. Yeah, you could become a champion of hope for $20 a month or a one-time payment of $240. And you become a champion of hope, we will deliver a teddy bear in your name to a child that is faced with a serious illness fighting for their lives. And you cannot even believe the joy that comes on their faces when they see this teddy bear that is delivered to them. So 602-933-4567. So it is time for another story of hope presented by Madame Holmes. After a normal pregnancy, Gia was born with an extremely rare nerve degenerative disorder. Only five other children are known to have born with the exact same mutation. From the moment Gia was born, she required around-the-clock care. Gia was a fighter and an inspiration to others. This is Gia's story. Hi, I'm Angela Capello. I'm Jeremy Capello, and this is Gia's story. We had a completely normal pregnancy. Everything was fine until the moment Gia was born, and then our world spiraled out of control. Gia, unfortunately, had one of the most severe variants of KIF-1A. It's a rare neurodegenerative disorder. It can rob children uh, their ability to see, walk, talk. Is something that just happened and we still don't know why. They put her in a little incubator and the ambulance took her to Phoenix Children's. I was just so scared and our GI doctor could see that and looked at me and hugged me and was like, we're gonna figure this out. Has been five children that have had her exact mutation. Most of them pass away anywhere from 11 months to about three years of age. She was 24 7 care. We saw a lot of doctors. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the doctors and the staff at PCH became extended members of our family. We were, unfortunately, one of those families that had to make really awful decisions, but can look back and we have the best memories of her because of the staff at PCH. They were really in it with us. We're going to figure this out. We're going to make her as comfortable as we possibly can. The child life specialists became my best friends. Because of that, we have so many beautiful memories with Gia. Truly remarkable to see that level of care. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah. I hope we get to heaven. It looks at us all like we're kids. Shameless and painless and perfect in ages. Forgives all the wrong we need. When life 
kind of gets hard. It's really not that hard when you put things into perspective of what our daughter went through. She was a fighter. She was. We almost lost her several times. Mm -hmm. And as weak as she was, she was so strong. To me, she's an inspiration. I can see her inspiring our other children as well. Gia. She's an inspiration. families, man, they're just so strong, are they not? These families, 602-933-4567. That is Gia's story right there, 602-933-4567. There are so many children that need our help at Phoenix Children's, so many children that we need to rally around, so many families that need our help right now. You can do that by picking up the phone, 602-933-4567. You give $20 a month, you become a champion of hope. We need you right now, brothers and sisters. you got to rally around these families and around this child and around these children and support them. Rally around the family with a pocket full of cash at 602 $20 a month, Luke, and you become a champion of hope. Yeah, and $20 a month right now is going to become $40 a month. You'll you'll put in 20 and Spinato's is going to match right now because this sound means we are in a match, Wolf, and Spinato's Pizzeria is there to match your donations right now. So, again, call in to the number 602-933-4567. Look, Wolf, you heard in that in Gia's story right there, you know, how PCH did everything they could to try to make Gia comfortable and try to make her stay there as pleasant as possible. 70, more than 70, Phoenix Children's programs and services are funded entirely or partially by philanthropy, and that includes, you know, they got art therapy, music therapy, animal-assisted therapy, the one darn cool school which helps kind of get kids ready to go back to school after their time at PCH. So many programs there, but a lot of them are funded because of, of donations from people like you driving around right now. Yes, absolutely, Luke. All of the patients that show up at Phoenix Children's are accepted, regardless of their ability to pay. It's one of the things that just breaks me in two, that Phoenix Children's will not turn you away because you don't have the money. When your child is faced with this deadly illness, this serious illness, and you have no one else to turn to here, Phoenix Children says, we'll, we'll help you. And just listening right there to Angela and Jeremy talk about Gia and their experience and how the members, the staff at Phoenix Children's becomes family. Yeah, you know, you said you brought up the insurance. They say 51% uh, of the, the children that are admitted, you know, they just don't have insurance or they have partial insurance. But it's not like you can wait around until, okay, well, let's get our insurance squared away. Like these kids, they can't wait. It's urgent. And that's why so much of what PCH does is funded by donations. And that's why it's one of the best children's hospitals in the world. It's, it's not like, hey, this is one of our better ones in the state. We're talking like global. Right now, if if you are listening, man, you can make a difference. You can make a difference. 20 bucks a month, man. 
That's all we're talking about. Become a champion of hope. 20 bucks a month. $240 for a one-time payment. 602-933-4567. 602-933-4567. You call in right now and we will match whatever it is that you donate. Alright, Wolf. Sound means it's time to go to the tote board. Get you caught up on exactly where we are right now. Uh, like I said, the, the things that really blow me away in this whole experience, the resiliency of the kids, the resiliency of the family, and the generation or the generosity of our listeners. The tote right now. So wrapping up our show today, four hundred sixty-five thousand and four dollars. <laughs> Tuesday. That's pretty cool. You know what? I, I'm not. I'm not shocked. I'm surprised and I'm impressed. And there's still a lot to to do this week, certainly. And there's still a lot to do today with Burns and Gambo coming up after us. But uh, four hundred sixty-five thousand four dollars. That's fantastic, right there. Yeah, well done. and uh, and that sound means it's time for the train teddy bear express again. If you become a champion of hope for twenty dollars a month or more, you can do more. Not only will a bear be delivered in your name to a patient at Phoenix Children's on this train teddy bear express, but you will receive a choice of a free kids pass to the Wildlife World Zoo or a free polish and shine wash from Cobblestone Auto Spa. So, thank you to everybody who is uh, donating and listening, and certainly uh, keep it going. And again, Spinatos was uh, matching there. So, and there's plenty more chances to donate again today at uh, 602. 602- Nine three three four five six seven. All right, when we come back, back to football to wrap up the show. Kyler Murray spoke today. Cliff Kingsbury, Jonathan Ward. We'll get you all caught up on what they had to say next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show, ninety eight seven FM, Arizona Sports Station. Camp takeoff twenty twenty two is a go. Home of Arizona Cardinals football, 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Camp Takeoff 2022 with Wolf and Luke. Final segment of the show. Camp is wrapped up for today as the Cardinals prepare to take on preseason juggernaut Baltimore. 21 straight wins. Last loss was 2015. Uh, Wolf, Cliff Kingsbury spoke today, and I haven't heard the answer to this yet, but I'm interested in the answer. They asked him if he has noticed anything different about Kyler since got his new deal, and here he is locked in for a while. He's been pretty much the same. I think the ownership, um, knowing what that means, that contract means, being the face of the franchise, showing up each and every day, being consistent, leading. Uh, you can definitely see that he understands um, how that changed things. But he's he's been, been Kyler and been super competitive and out there making plays like he always has. I will say this. Kyler hasn't even played much this preseason. He hasn't played at all in the preseason. We haven't even seen him on the field much in camp. A little bit more, it sounds like, this week. Uh, so we, we got to see it in actual games, Wolf, obviously. And we got to see how the season ends and all that. I get all that. But it, it doesn't it kind of feel more like this is Kyler's team over the last last few weeks than it did at times the first three years because yeah. it almost felt like he was distant from everybody. The, yeah, the first no, few years. You're, you're right about that. And maybe the yoke of responsibility is starting to have an impact on Kyler Murray, understanding that he is the franchise quarterback, obviously, and the organization is going to pay him as such. And the responsibility that comes with it, it was something that I think Bologna
Mahoney was actually talking about in terms of Kyler Murray going out and signing autographs and doing it on a regular basis and staying after practice and signing autographs for all the fans that had come out to State Farm Stadium. You and I both saw that as well. Um, Got the jersey. Remember the kids' jersey yeah, got stolen? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, maybe it is having a huge impact on Kyler Murray. Hopefully it will, and he'll continue to get better. They actually asked him about the jersey, asked Kyler about the jersey today. I mean, it, yeah, if, if any kid, it, just wasn't, it wasn't just to, you know, if any other kid had that situation, I think we would do the same for him. You know, it's a, it's a great feeling, you know, kids shaking, you know, not, you know, I was once in his shoes uh, looking up to these players and stuff like that, so to, to give back, it's always, um, you know, that's one of the best things in life to be able to, to be able to do so. That's well played, Kyler. Yeah. That is well played right there. Well done. And you know what? For as much as everybody gets on him when he's like, okay, Kyler, what did you, you know, what could you have done differently? And he always talks about we. He did talk about we right there, too, of, of we got the jersey for him, not just, he didn't, he didn't say, oh, yeah, I did this and look at me and I went out and, yeah, I mean, it's it's a little thing. Look as you going, my uh, I'm trying. I'm really, I'm trying over here. Um, Kyler Murray also on, uh, of course, he can be asked about the play calling. Uh, he was asked how that started. I don't know. They just asked me. Um, just asked me if I wanted to do it. So, yeah. Um, and that, that was that was. It. And he evaluated how that experience has gone for him. It was good. Yeah, it was good. I know that was my first time calling plays, uh, besides in practice and stuff like that. Um, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I think um, you know once you call the play, it's out of your control. I think that's a, you know that's being on the, being on that side of it. You can't control what's going on on the field. So uh, if we execute, you execute. If you don't, you don't. And you just got you got to live with it. So uh, that was that was the different. You know, it was different for me. I like this one too, Wolf. Uh, and this is maybe I think I, I, when you hear Kyler saying this, I think Cliff is somewhere in the back of the room, just kind of chuckling to himself. Kyler trying to get everybody involved when he's calling the plays. You know, you want to get everybody touches because you got undrafted guys, you got rookies that you know this is their time to shine and stuff like that. So it's it's uh you know you got to find that balance. Yeah, you do have to find it's gotta that. Got to be one balance. of the toughest things as a coach, right? Got to get everybody the ball. Yeah, no. Once again, it's just giving him a different perspective, and I think that is good. It's good for any quarterback to actually go through that and learn that. Hey, listen, you know what? You can't be myopic. You can't be nearsighted yourself in regard to that. You, you've got to go ahead and understand and have a little empathy for everybody else and what their job and their responsibilities are. Uh, back to Cliff, why he believes this year's team is going to be better than last year's team. Yeah, I think watching us compete just day in, day out, they understand what they were, I think, for a majority of the season, and then they could have competed with anybody, and then um, all of us coaches and players didn't close it out like we could have, but they're playing with a lot more confidence after, I think, feeling what that felt like to be one of the top teams in the league for a certain amount of time, and um, you know, you got to have some good fortune and stay healthy and, and do all those things, but I definitely sense a more confident team with a lot of those key contributors back, and then some young pieces that have stepped up, and like Hams, one of them stepped up, and um, Victor DiMacchi, another one stepped up, and um, really made us even better. Ooh, right there, you know what? Honestly, just please, uh, D Hop, stay healthy, stay healthy when you come back. Mm-hmm. Of course, JJ Watt, please stay healthy. 
stay healthy, J.J. Watt. That is, that's huge. I think J.J. Watt was sorely missed. I think Rodney Hudson was sorely missed. The five games that he missed last year, I think that happened at the wrong time of year. Um, there's no doubt. They need their guys to stay healthy. They're key guys. But, yeah, you got to finish, man. It's got to be a mentality that you're talking about so that it doesn't happen again. Yeah. Yeah, and, and look, every team has injuries, but the Cardinals seem to have the wrong injuries to the wrong guys. You just named some of the biggest players on the team, and some of them at the wrong times. Now, I don't think that that's why they fell apart. The Hopkins injury was obviously part of it, but uh, but yeah, you got to control what you can control. It would be great, though, to see all four of those receivers healthy and not suspended out there at the same time. Wolf, this is the line of the day, though. i got to play this again before we go. If, if this was intentional by Kyler Murray, okay, they asked him, uh, how could Manny Jones have done better when he was impersonating him, right? Because that's been the talk of all the rookie the rookie show is how good of a job Manny Jones did impersonating Kyler. We haven't heard from Kyler yet, so Kyler, what could he have done better? It was just uh, it's a little dry. It was a little dry. Um, I, he hasn't spent a lot of time around me, so he kind of just went off of what he saw. So uh, I, I think he should have studied a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> if, that's so good right if, there. You tell me that's not a shot over if, the ball. If it's if it wasn't intentional, then it's still funny because it's unintentionally <laughs> funny. But if if Kyler flat out said this guy needed to, it, it, what could make this guy do a better job of impersonating me? If you want to be more like me, you got to study more. If that's what if he just said that intentionally, he know. should get MVP votes. Look, either way, he meant it right now. To me, well done. Oh, that's Kyler. fantastic. That was fantastic. That was. I really, was I well truly done. hope it was intentional. Uh, so, yeah, of course, uh, camp continues on this week. And then uh, going to Tennessee, I don't have time to play the clip from Kyler talking about that, but uh, so Cardinals-Titans next week. Once again, um, Phoenix Children's and the Giveathon. what is the tote? What was the total that we actually had? Do you have it was, that I believe it was $465,004. $465,004. Yes. Okay. You know what? Well done, Basin Artists. Absolutely. Continue to be impressed by our listeners. That's going to do it for us here today. Thanks to Aaron Maloney. Jesse Morrison behind the glass as well. For Wolf, I'm Luke. We've got Burns and Gambo next right here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.